Thank you, Phil, and it's wonderful to be back here at Park End once again. Imagine the scene, Jesus taking those three disciples up the Mount of Transfiguration, a glorious scene, Jesus as they've never seen him before, as one day we will see him, transfigured before their eyes. And these two saints from the past come and join them. What an experience that must have been. Can you imagine being there? Well, Simon Peter was there. And of course, when someone has to speak, it's invariably Simon Peter. And when he does, he puts his foot in it. Master, do you think it would be a good idea if we put up three Shelters, tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. <laughs> oh, Peter, he meant well, didn't he? And then a voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. That verse over the last two weeks has gripped me. This is my son, listen to him. Jesus is the word, and we're to listen to him. Now, why have I chosen this subject, the post-pandemic recovery plan? Well, it's because a number of churches have been in touch with me, asking, what do you think church is going to look like after this is all over? Can you imagine well, one church sent me, they did a survey of their members about uh, what they uh, thought church should look like afterwards. Well, it was about eight pages of uh, views of the members. Uh, can you imagine if you went out, I know you've done it in the past, and you asked the members what they thought church should look like? Well, I want to tell you, I read every word and it was completely contradictory. <laughs> there were some in the church that wanted this, others in the church wanted that. <laughs> the church asked me to go and speak to them. I took a series of prayer meetings with them uh, recently. And this is when this word came to me. This is my son who might listen to him. You know, as we think about what church is going to be like in the future, I I'm really very interested in what you think but really what we need to know is what does God think what is the Lord saying to the church at this time and for that purpose I want to take you to Proverbs 29 in verse 18 you will know it in the authorized version of course where there is no vision the people perish or in the New International Version, as some of us have become more acquainted in recent years, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the Lord. What we need is vision. <laughs> but what do we mean by that? The word vision occurs some 31 times in the Old Testament. And every time it refers to that which is communicated to us by God. A vision is what God sees, what God thinks, and what God communicates to us through inspired revelation. Now, in this context, it's got nothing to do with 
what you and I think, or business idealism, or, or natural optimism, or personal enthusiasm. It has everything to do with what God is thinking and what God is saying. Why is it important? Because where there is no such vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. So, what I want us to do today is to look at this question of biblical vision. Let's look, first of all, at what is the essence of biblical vision. Then what happens when there is the absence of such vision. And then let's look, finally, at what happens when the vision is present, the presence of vision. So, the essence of vision, what is it we're talking about? We want to know what God thinks. Well, how can we know that? It's important because where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. I want you to observe the use of parallelism here. Two truths stated side by side. The first is where there is no revelation, no vision. People perish. But blessed is he, this is the second part, who keeps the law. So we have vision and we have the law. Now, understanding that practically, where it speaks to the law, we're speaking about the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? That's how we discover what God thinks by reading His Word, living in it. But vision has to do with the Spirit of God. So, God speaks to us by His Word and by His Spirit. And both are equally important. There is, first of all, the revelation of the Word of God, where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, no word from God. We find ourselves in difficulties. And it's perfectly illustrated for us in the story of young Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we read this. A sad indictment on his day. The Word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no open vision. Then came Samuel, and with Samuel came vision. In 1 Samuel 3 and verse 21, a little later on in the chapter, we read, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh. How? By the word of the Lord. This is how God still reveals himself to us, by the word of the Lord. I wonder, in letting something slip during the past 18 months, I wonder if you've kept in the Word of God. We need to read it regularly, or daily, devotionally, prayerfully. We need to live in it so that we actually get to feel what God is saying to us. And it's important because where there is the absence of the Word of God in our lives, then we can find ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Look at this picture on the screen. A real problem called photophobia. It means that people can't tolerate light, and sometimes you'll see people wearing dark glasses all the time because they just can't stand the light. I know someone that suffers with photophobia, and they like to live in the shadows, in the darkness, because it's such a painful experience for them. 
It occurs to me that there is a, a spiritual photophobia too, where people can't stand the light of God's Word because it speaks to them and they don't like what it says. The problem so often with the Word of God is not that we don't understand it, but we understand it only too well, but we don't like what it's telling us. But God speaks to us through the Word. Jesus told that story about, of course, building our lives on either sand or the rock. And at the end, he tells us what he means by that. Those that build their lives on the rock are those that read the word and heed it. They build their lives on it. That's what we need to hear afresh today. We need to know what God is saying through his word. But there is not only the revelation of the word of God, there's the inspiration of the spirit of God. Remember what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. Oh, that we might know such times of re refreshing again. Peter declared that God, through Joel, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and young men and women would see visions. It follows, therefore, that uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with Visions of God's redemptive passion and decisive action in relation to a lost world. You see, the Word of God and the Spirit of God always correspond perfectly together. I'm glad that I was called into ministry when I was in the 60s because there was that movement that came to be called the charismatic movement uh, when God's Spirit seemed to be moving fresh through the churches and many of us came into renewal uh, uh, our christian lives came uh, alive again uh, i remember coming in here at park end and hearing some of the stories of you that were coming into renewal throughout that period oh i long to see god sending times of refreshing again now i believe that revival is in the sovereign purposes of god but renewal is in the grasp of everyone through the filling of God's Spirit, we need to be a Spirit-filled congregation, don't we? Are you filled with God's Spirit today? Now, I'm sure that many of you could tell me wonderful stories about how you've been filled in the past. You've been to a meeting, perhaps, and you came forward for prayer, and, and someone prayed with you, and my, you might have been overwhelmed even by the experience. But no, no, I'm not asking if you've been filled. I'm asking if you are filled now because if we're to hear what god is saying to us as he leads us into our future as his church we need to hear him speak by word of my spirit do you know a word that god has just planted in my mind right now is this paul writing to timothy fan into flame the gifts that are in you yes Will you do that? Will you seek God for the fullness again of his Holy Spirit? And will you fan your... You've got gifts. All of us as God's people, we've all got uh, spiritual gifts. But if the church is to function properly, we need to fan those gifts into flame. We need to seek God. Uh, and we need to encourage one another in moving in the gifts and the graces of God's Spirit. So that's the, presence of, that's the presence of you. When God is speaking by word and by spirit, what, what happens when God's people are not seeking him by word and by spirit? Well, look at the absence of vision. Well, where there is no vision, the people 
can tell me now, perish. Or in the New International Version, they cast off restraint. Let me spell that out. The Bible teaches and history confirms that the spiritual condition of the Christian church largely determines the moral state of the nation. As God's people were called to be salt and light, but as the salt lost its effectiveness, is the light being hid under that basket? I believe that the nation is in the mess that it's in because the church is not being what it ought to be. I believe there is a, 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 there's an absolute parallel between the state of the church and the state of the nation. And what is missing today, in my opinion, is that note of authority in the church. It's not, church, it's not there. And because there isn't that voice of authority in the church, the nation isn't listening. The church no longer commands the respect of the unchurch. And why is this situation occurred? Because where is the prophetic voice to the nation? Who is speaking to the nation but the word of God beyond the boundaries of these church walls? Come on, church. Wake up. Where to be God's voice to the nation. It's given to you and I to speak God's word by God's Spirit to the nation. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. The church has been too silent. And what happens? Well, look at the state of the nation. What does it mean to perish or to cast off restraint? First of all, I want to suggest well, it's Matthew Henry, actually. I wonder if any of you still got the Matthew Henry commentaries. I've still got it, and I still uh, dip into it. Do you know how he renders this verse? Where there is no vision, the people are stripped of its armor and so exposed to danger. You see, we become spiritually defenseless. When Moses came down from the mountain, and during his absence as the lawgiver, they became prey to idolatry and immorality. That's what happens where there is the absence of the Word of God under the anointing of the Spirit of God. We become spiritually defenseless. And oh, I believe that the nation is in the state that it's in because we are spiritually defenseless. So what are we to do? <laughs> We're to put on the whole armor of God. We, as the people of God, have to demonstrate to the nation and to the world what it is to be in Christ. But to be cast off, uh, to cast off restraint means something else. It means to become naturally defiant. That phrase, to perish or cast off restraint, can be rendered to run wild. Get this, where there is no vision, where there is no word from God, under the anointing of the Spirit of God, people cast off restraint. I don't believe there's any better way of describing our nation at the moment than we've cast off restraint. People are running wild. Like in the days of the judges, when everyone does what seems right in their own eyes. Hmm. 
other scientists running wild. Well, thank God for all that they're doing to get us out of this pandemic. Don't we thank God for them? But my goodness be, do they ever cross the boundary because they no longer consider what God's word allows. I grieve when I see the statutes that are coming onto uh, our law books through the Houses of Parliament and Lords. Some things that are totally contradictory to the word of God. Our nation is like an unbridled and unbroken horse running wild. That's what happens where there is the absence of vision. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. God save our nation. Raise up a, a church, a word and spirit church that brings God's word to the nation. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. They become spiritually defenseless, naturally defiant, and people become personally destructive. That word perish is an interesting word to cast off restraint. In Hosea's day, the Lord said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They no longer heeded, heard or heeded the word of God. Human history is an eloquent commentary on this very fact. As people lose their confidence in divine revelation, they fall into decay. What a solemn responsibility rests upon us as God's people. Our lives affect our families, affect our communities, and affect our nation. Oh, that we might return to God's Word, to read it and to heed it, to obey it. What happens then when the church returns and become a word and spirit people? Well, look at the second part of that parallelism. Blessed is he who keeps the law. When and where God's people are prepared to see and heed divine revelation, there can be a reversal of the sequence of moral deterioration. In other words, prophetic vision produces Christ-like works. Those of you that have heard me preach over the years will know that my love for revival, I've been a student of revival, I've actually experienced revival in my own life, overseas of course. <laughs> and what happens? When God moves in reviving power, it affects the nation. It begins with the church, but overflows into the nation. And the tide that seems to be out comes in. The moral deterioration. You look at 1904, 1905, the last time we saw revival in the nation. How it affected the nation and the morals of the nation as well. Even the laws of the nation. Oh, I would invite you to open your eyes and see our nation through the eyes of our Lord Jesus today. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he broke his heart. He wept. And what did he do when he wept? He did what he could. Couldn't change the minds of everyone. But he went to the cross. Thank God for Calvary. What he did, he did for us, for love of us, uh, as we sung. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. The Son of God, 
loved me and gave himself for me. He looked and he saw the state. He did what he could. He went to the cross. Oh, that we might look at the nation and be caught by that same redemptive passion that we want to see the nation saved. And do you know what saves men and women? It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and then to us Gentiles. Hallelujah. Oh, we need to see renewal. I don't know whether you've read, like I have, Billy Graham's autobiography, a picture of it on the screen. It's coming, I'm sure. The book, Just As I Am, it's a lovely read. I was struck when I read it. And uh, he was in Pontypridd in the early 1950s, taking a mission, staying in a guest house. And uh, he wasn't feeling right. He was seeing people come to the Lord, but not in great numbers. So he called to a friend of his who was in Duke Street, Richmond at the time, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Alford, the man who mentored me. Many of you know that. It's in the book, Just As I Am. <laughs> he called Stephen. He said, will you come and talk with me? When Stephen got to Pontypridd, he, he said, what's the matter, Billy? He said, well, I'm not seeing all the souls saved that I believe God has told me I'm going to see. He said, can you speak into my life? He said, I'll tell you two things. First of all, I've heard you preach often. You're not coming to the cross often enough. <laughs> preach the cross. Billy Graham thereafter never preached a sermon, listened to them. He never preached the cross without going to the cross. We've all got to come there frequently, don't we? What can wash away my stain? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. <laughs> Billy took that on board. He said, but something else. Billy Graham, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, it's not enough to preach the word. You need to preach it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you'll read it for yourself in Just As I Am. They got down on their knees and Stephen Alford laid his hands on Billy Graham and prayed that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he got up, he said, I know I'm filled. And Stephen Alford said to him, now make sure that you keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham gives testimony to that advice. Advice that he took. Park End my friends, come back to Calvary. Confess our failures individually and as the church. And then come quickly to Pentecost and be refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be what God wants us to be. This is the way to vision. And where there is this vision, where there is this word from God, we're going to be blessed. Blessed is he 
who keeps the law, who lives according to the word of God. Well, thank you for the opportunity of letting me share. Before I hand over to sing a, a hymn, I want to pray. Let's come to the throne of grace in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, and we confess that we don't often, we don't always take it as seriously as we should, and I pray, O oh God, that you might bring us all to that place where we recommit ourselves to reading your word every day, devotionally and spiritually, prayerfully. Lord, I pray that you might do a new thing in all of our lives today. We come again to Calvary. We ask that you might forgive us, cleanse us for all of our failures, and we come on to Pentecost. <laughs> and, O oh God, we ask that you might come to us and fill us again we remember how in the space of a few moments the experience of those early believers were revolutionized. Their expectations were turned upside down. Their attitudes were changed forever. One moment they were consumed by fear. The next they were radiating confidence, speaking boldly. One moment they were uncertain of the future. The next they were sure of their calling. Oh God, we pray that you might move in us that we might know a fresh move of your Spirit in all of our lives. Mighty God, you came through your Spirit, and life was never the same again. Come to us and breathe new fire into our hearts. We pray that you might give us the grace that we might fan into flame the gifts that are in us. Give us new energy in our lives, new life into our souls. Transform our fear Anxiety and doubt filling us with confidence and faith. Move in us, we pray. Move us out to be your witnessing people. Open our minds, Lord, to new horizons, new experiences, a new way of looking at life through your eyes. And so may we live according to your word in the power of your spirit. Move in us, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.